Hello and welcome to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Adrian Peterson and produced in the studios of WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. I'm Jeff White. This is edition NWS 723 for release on Sunday, January 1st of 2023. Happy New Year, everyone. On the program today, bird calls on shortwave radio. And the music you're listening to right now is the familiar cuckoo waltz, or as they pronounce it in Germany, the Kuckuckwaltz, as sung by the three dozen girls that form the Westphalian Nightingale Choir. On Wavescan today, we also have Japan DX News from Yukiko Tsuji. Well, in this first edition of this program last year, in 2022, we brought you the stories of five different bird call interval signals used by various shortwave stations. Now, in this first edition of 2023, Ray Robinson has the stories of five more bird call interval signals as used historically at other stations around the world. Here's Ray. Thanks, Jeff. First, we go to Italy. Preliminary experimental shortwave broadcasting in Italy began in the mid-1920s with the use of two low-powered communication transmitters near Rome with the call signs IAX and IAY. Under the direction of their own legendary radio pioneer Guglielmo Marconi, a shortwave broadcasting station was developed at Prato Smeraldo, just outside Rome, a little to the south. Two shortwave transmitters at 25 kilowatts each were installed, and these were officially opened on July 1, 1930, as 2RO. Four years later again, in 1934, two more similar transmitters were installed at the Prato Smeraldo shortwave station. However, all shortwave transmissions were discontinued on October 1, 2007, at the end of its illustrious broadcasting history extending over more than 80 years. At the sign-on for each shortwave transmission, RAI played the delightful sound of a bird followed by their theme music. It suggested that the bird call as heard from the RAI shortwave service is from their national bird, the Italian Sparrow. This is Rye, the Italian radio and television network. Next, we go to Iraq. There were two stories about the bird signal from Radio Baghdad. One story states that the German government gave a gift to the royal family in Iraq in 1936, and that gift was a mechanical singing bird, which is still on display in the Iraqi Media Museum in Baghdad. Back then, a recording of that unique bird song was then introduced as the tuning signal for the sign-on routine of Radio Baghdad. 
The second story states that when Radio Baghdad was inaugurated back on July the 1st, 1936, the call of a live bulbul bird was broadcast for five minutes each morning as the opening tuning signal. However, after the bulbul bird died, the king granted Baghdad Radio the use of a mechanical bulbul bird that he had previously bought in London. And the bulbul bird is better known in English as the nightingale. The first shortwave tests in Iraq were carried out by an English Air Force officer in 1924. Then in 1940, the government of Iraq opened a new 5 kilowatt shortwave station at Baghdad. That station identified on air under several call signs, such as HNE, HNK and HNI, depending upon which frequency was in use. Here's the sign-on from the Voice of Iraq Baghdad in 2004. The African nation of Zambia was identified in colonial times as Northern Rhodesia, and it adopted its more recent designation as Zambia in 1964. The first shortwave programme service in what was then Northern Rhodesia was broadcast in 1946 from an already established communication station that was on the air in Lusaka under the callsign ZQP. Back then, station ZQP operated with 500 watts on 7220 kHz, and initial programming was a brief daily service that was relayed from the radio station in Southern Rhodesia at Salisbury. The squawking bird call that has been heard as the opening tuning signal from Radio Zambia on shortwave seems to be the African fish eagle, which is the national bird for three African nations, South Sudan, Zimbabwe, formerly southern Rhodesia, and Zambia. This recording dates from 1964. This is the Northern Rhodesia Broadcasting Corporation. We are broadcasting on the 60 and 90 meters shortwave bands and on our usual medium wave frequencies of 247 meters from Ndola, 547 meters from Kitwe, and 312 meters from Lusaka. And this is what it sounded like after independence in 1978. Zambia Broadcasting Services, this is the external service of Radio Zambia. This is Lusaka Calling. One Zambia, one nation. And ZMBC still uses the Fish Eagle sign-on to this date. 
The island of Nauru is just a small, almost circular island of eight square miles, and it lies in the Pacific area of Micronesia, nearly 3,000 miles northeast of Australia. For more than a 100 years, Nauru has featured prominently in wireless and radio history. There's never been a shortwave broadcasting service from Nauru, though there have been many occasions when international shortwave has achieved necessary communication with other distant countries. The coastal radio station VKT, for example, was often in shortwave communication with VIS in Sydney, Australia. There's a government-operated FM station on Nauru, and there was a time when this station signed on each morning with the sound of a bird call, and that bird was the Nauruan canary. This is the call of the Nauruan canary opening this morning's transmission on FM 105. Mojoran Zaldane, Ivigin Mekter Mejoran Nage, and then I was in with a program wake up call. Melanesia Kami with a songs of praise and worship. The government of Nauru wishes to invite all interested communities and organizations to participate in the parade and floats event at the government buildings, Yaran District, on Wednesday, 31st January 2018, from 7 a.m. to 12 noon. The government will provide $500 of assistance for floats if float is registered. And that recording was actually fairly recent from just 2018. The French island of New Caledonia lies about 750 miles off the east coast of Australia. A major shortwave station at Saint-Marie on New Caledonia was taken into service in 1968. Even though that shortwave service from New Caledonia, RFO, was intended mainly for their home islands and for the other French islands in the Pacific, they were heard regularly with good signals in both New Zealand and Australia. That RFO shortwave service was on the air for a little over a quarter of a century, and it was finally closed forever in 1994. The shortwave service from RFO in New Caledonia also adopted a bird call as part of their daily sign-on routine. That bird was the kagu, a flightless bird about the size of a chicken that lives on the forest floor and is found only in New Caledonia. Thank you very much, Ray Robinson, for that look at bird call interval signals on short wave. Well, regular listeners to Wavescan may remember that we had reports three years ago in December of 2019 about a volcanic explosion on the Wakari Island off the coast of New Zealand that occurred while around four dozen tourists were on an excursion there. Well, a few weeks ago, Netflix in the United States, and I suppose in many other countries, released a documentary about the disaster called The Volcano, Rescue from Wakari. It's an absolutely gripping film with videos shot by some of the survivors of the eruption, 
and interviews with them about their experiences. In mid-December of last year, Vatican Radio hosted the G9 of shortwave media as missionaries of peace. Gathered at the historic headquarters of Vatican Radio in the Vatican Gardens, representatives of nine major Western radio broadcasters met together, opening the meeting by recalling the importance of shortwave in sending messages of hope and mercy all over the world. The so-called G9 group of Western radio broadcasters met at the Vatican on Tuesday, December 12th, focusing on a number of issues. These included the use of shortwave radio in order to reduce interference between international broadcasters through common efforts to coordinate how broadcast frequencies are used and technical cooperation between members. This marked a key item on the agenda of the meeting, which brought together the representatives, including Vatican Radio, in the historic building of the Pope's Radio, located in the Vatican Gardens, a place that housed the first radio station built by Guglielmo Marconi. Monsignor Lucio Adrian Ruiz, secretary of the Dicastery for Communication, opened the meeting saying, you are at home because the Holy See is everyone's home because it wants to welcome us in a universal embrace of fraternity to work for the good of humanity. In a world that is increasingly marked by expanded services in broadband and new technologies, we are dedicating ourselves to shortwave and the services that are offered through it, said Monsignor Ruiz. He added that this effort is fundamental in order not to forget those people in different parts of the world who have no access to other forms of information and connection than with these technologies. For us, who are essentially missionaries, shortwave offers a precious means of outreach, since it allows us to reach the ends of the earth with a message of tenderness, mercy, peace, and hope. The G9 group includes Vatican Radio, Adventist World Radio, the former BBC World Service Transmission System, now known as Encompass, Deutsche Welle and Media Broadcast from Germany, the U.S. Federal Communications Commission, the United States Agency for Global Media, USAGM, France's Télédiffusion de France, and M-Globe, which broadcasts from Antananarivo in Madagascar. Meetings are hosted on a rotating basis by all members The next gathering will take place in Washington, D.C. in June of 2023 and will be hosted by the U.S. Agency for Global Media. American evangelists can be heard on many privately owned U.S. shortwave stations. One of the major ones was the late Dr. Gene Scott of California, and his wife, Pastor Melissa Scott, continues to be heard on WWCR in Tennessee. Previously, Dr. Scott and Melissa owned and operated a shortwave station on the island of Anguilla in the Caribbean, called the Caribbean Beacon. It went off the air a few years ago. Its shortwave transmitter recently ended up at WWCR in Tennessee to be used for parts. WWCR's frequency manager, Jerry Plummer, who passed away last July, was also the frequency manager for the Caribbean Beacon. At last year's meeting of the National Association of Shortwave Broadcasters, Jerry told delegates a lot of details about the closure of the Caribbean Beacon and about how their shortwave transmitter was acquired by WWCR. 
Today we have a recording of part of Jerry's presentation at the NASB meeting. He was a, uh, uh, a broadcaster that followed in the footsteps of uh, one of the first of the radio preachers from the late 30s, Father McLaughlin, uh, KDKA Pittsburgh, that started harnessing the use of radio for a medium for trans- transmission. Uh, Reverend, <coughs> Reverend Ike, who some of you guys may remember from the 70s or 80s, he, he also uh, did a lot with radio and TV. And uh, uh, Dr. Gene Scott kind of picked it up in the 80s, uh, went through TV, for, uh, went through uh, radio first. He bought a small AM in California and started spreading AM and FM and, then, of course, late-night TV and a lot of late-night radio. And all you broadcasters know how hard it is to sell airtime from midnight, uh, from 12 to 6, you know. So that's the time he liked, and it was a wonderful mixture, you know, because all of a sudden you had an overnight that would pay. Uh, so anyway, uh, 89, Dr. Gene Scott had got word of this uh, New Orleans ruling that allowed the shortwave transmissions to open. And WWCR was already installing their first one in 1989. And there's a lot of different stories about how Dr. Gene Scott and WWCR hooked up. There's four or five people that claim that they were the ones that were the connection. But it's an intertwining story that leads to CBD. Uh, in 89, early 90, Dr. Gene Scott, however he arranged it, uh, met up with WWCR and was so enthralled with the idea of shortwave that he wanted to purchase 24 hours airtime, 24-hour uh, broadcast. And those of us in the broadcasting world know that if it's nothing but a satellite feed, it makes for pretty easy broadcasting, you know. Uh, so they agreed, you know, to go on and do that. And simultaneously, WWCR opened up a, with Continental a, an order for the second of the 418s. Uh, WWCR's original intent was to be worldwide country radio. And they had hoped that at that time, they had hoped that broadcasting out of Nashville, that they'd be able to do 24-hour country music broadcasting, and it would pay for itself. Uh, that did not turn out to be the case. So slowly but surely, we wended uh, our way more over to a uh, religious, uh, political sort of thing, and that money did come through. Uh, but the problem was we already sold all the airtime on the first transmitter to Dr. Gene Scott, and we'd already had, they tell me, I say I wasn't there, they uh, tell me that they already had over half of the second transmitter time booked up and prepaid. So it's a, it's a good problem to have, to be able to have the money in the bank already. And uh, you hadn't even went on the air yet. So the first one uh, was set up, turned on, uh, just tested running some of the original uh, plans of country music, 92. And the day that the new transmitter came in, was parked outside, still blocked, boxing everything. That night, the radio station caught on fire and caught on fire and burned up the number one transmitter and almost totally damaged the second transmitter with no insurance. Total damage. Uh, but Dr. Gene Scott, at that time, uh, this is what they tell me, and I believe it to be true, fronted $1.3 million to WWCR and said, uh, Use this to rebuy the transmitter, you know, and make changes to fix the first one. 
and uh, just put me on there like you did before, and uh, I'm going to write off the 1.3 mil. So I speak about Dr. Scott in the sense that he is the one that kept WWCR on the air back then with that gift of $1.2 million, $1.3. If it wasn't for him, we would have went dead and never come back. You know, it's kind of bad losing both transmitters the day that second one come in with a fire and no insurance. That was the late Jerry Plummer, frequency manager for both WWCR and the Caribbean Beacon, speaking at the 2022 annual meeting of the National Association of Shortwave Broadcasters, held at Radio Free Asia in Washington, D.C. We'll have more of Jerry's talk on an upcoming edition of WaveScan. And now we go to Yukiko Tsuji in Tokyo with Japan DX News. Happy New Year and welcome to the DX Report of the Month from Japan Shortwave Club, aided by Toshio Take and I'm Yukiko Tsuji. We have several DX reports from our club members this week. Radio Republic Indonesia from Nabile was heard on 7289.9 kHz on November 13th from 0853 to the sign-off at 0919 UTC in Indonesian. SIO rating was 252. Islamic prayer was broadcast, followed by local pop music at 0857. Bible Voice Broadcasting via Tashkent, Uzbekistan, was received on 11800 kHz on November 19th, from the sign-on at 1200 to 1220 UTC in English. SIO rating was 252. It signed on with ID at 1200, followed by Call to Worship program. Voice of Turkey was heard on 15235 kHz on November 27th from 0630 to 0656 UTC in Hausa. SIO rating was 453. Turkish music medley was played. Full ID was given at 0644 and closing announcement at 0656. The music was played until the next language program. NHK World Radio Japan via Isodon, France, was heard on 15290 kHz on December 4th from 0800 to 0815 UTC in Japanese. SIO rating was 453. News and Global Topics program relay of domestic NHK Radio 1 were on the air. Radio France International was heard on 15300 kHz on November 26 from 0850 to the sign-off at 0859 UTC in French. SIO rating was 353. Afro-pops and a talk program by a female announcer were broadcast. ID was given at 0859. The parallel frequency 13695 kHz was SIO rating 353. Media broadcast GmbH from Nauen, Germany, was received on 21640 kHz on December 6 from 0745 to 0815 UTC. SIO rating was 353. 
This was the test broadcast with electronic music only without announcement. BBC World Service via Ascension was heard on 12095 kHz on November 28th from 0700 to the sign off at 0800 UTC in English. SIO rating was 353. World News was aired followed by Newsday at 0706. News at 0730 and Newsday again at 0732. Deutsche Welle via Santome e Principe was received on 9830 kHz on November 23rd from 1800 to the sign off at 1856 UTC in Hausa. SIO rating was 454. ID was given at 1800. And then talk program about Nigeria started, followed by local music. Jingle and ID were often heard. Radio Caribamba from Peru was heard on 5025 kHz on November 29th from 1017 to 1105 UTC in Spanish. SIO rating was 443, then down to 232. Local music program was broadcast. ID was given by male and female announcers at 10.18 and 10.24. Finally, Japan Shortwave Club will issue the QSO cards for the correct reports on our segment of WaveScan program. We are issuing QSO cards by email to the report sent by email. Our address for your email report is jswcqsl at liv.jp. I repeat, JSWCQSL at LIVE.JP. Starting January, we will issue a new verification card for the year 2023. We continue to issue the printed QSL card by the same system as before. Your report should be addressed to JSWC PO Box 44 Kamakura, which is K A M A K U R A, postal code 248-8691 Japan. One ILC or two US dollars for return postage will be appreciated. For this edition of DX Report, we would like to thank Mr. Yoshiaki Hayashi, Mr. Iwao Nagatani, Mr. Tetsuya Ogawa, Mr. Chiaki Shimada, and Mr. Kazuaki Oikawa for sharing the information with us. Thank you for listening and please join us for our next edition of DX Report of Japan Shotev Club. I'm Yukiko Tsuji in Tokyo. Thank you, Yukiko. There was a time when Radio Anguilla in the Caribbean used the melody of the popular Caribbean song Yellow Bird. As its signature theme music. And that's the music we end WaveScan with today Yellow Bird, performed on the steel drum. Thanks for listening to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Dr. Adrian Peterson. Next week, we'll have Radio Weddings, once again, and our Philippine DX report. WaveScan is heard weekly on KSDA in Guam, AWR relays in various locations, 
WRMI in Florida, WWCR in Tennessee, KVOH in Los Angeles, Voice of Hope Africa in Zambia, and IRRS Italy. Send reception reports directly to the station you're listening to. Reports for KSDA and AWR sites should go to qsl at awr.org. Other correspondence, not reception reports, can be sent to wavescan at awr.org. I'm Jeff White at WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. Till next week, Happy New Year and good listening, everyone.